We want to thank you today for joining us at Truth Chapel's podcast. I pray this word would bring you life. I pray that it would edify you, encourage you, and enlighten you. If you have a moment, please subscribe and leave us a review. We will be so grateful. God bless, and let this word speak to your heart today. Turn with me to the first book of Kings, first Kings, and the 19th chapter. I'm going to read for you some familiar scriptures maybe, but I want to teach a little bit tonight on a principle the Lord showed me here. First Kings chapter 19, beginning, uh, I'll start in verse 1. When you have it, just say, I got it. Amen. We still have an annoying beep in the background. Don't let it bother you. Ain't going to bother me. I'm just going to keep our own teaching. We have tried to figure it out, but we have failed. It is uh, not the alarm system. It's not the smoke alarms. We didn't, we didn't track that dog down. I have a suspicion that it's one of these lights, and it's just weird. But we're going to have to figure it out. But don't let it bother you because it ain't going to bother me. 1 Kings 19, beginning in verse 1. When you have it, just say, I got it. And Ahab told Jezebel all that Elijah had done with all how he had slain all the prophets with the sword. Then Jezebel sent a messenger unto Elijah, saying, So let the gods do to me, and more also, if I make not thy life as the life of one of them by tomorrow about this time. And when... He saw that. He arose and went for his life and came to Beersheba, which belongeth to Judah, and left his servant there. But he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness and came and sat under a juniper tree and requested for himself that he might die and said, it is, it is enough now, O Lord, take away my life, for I am not better than my father's. And as he lay and slept under a juniper tree, behold, then an angel touched him and said unto him, Arise and eat. And he looked, and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. And he did eat and drank and laid him down again. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time and touched him and said, Arise and eat, because the journey is too great for thee. And he arose and did eat and drink and went in the strength of that meat 40 days and 40 nights unto Horeb, the Mount of God. Tonight, I want to teach to you just for uh, just a little bit, I promise you tonight. I want to talk to you about eat for the journey. Eat for the journey. Let's pray. Lord, we ask you to touch us tonight, touch our minds, our spirits. We ask you tonight, Lord, that you would do your work among us through your word, that your word would do its work, that we would not just be hearers, but do us also of your word. Help us tonight, lead us, grow us, and mature us, and we'll give you all the praise, all the glory, and all the honor. And everyone said in Jesus' name, amen, and you may be seated in the presence of the Lord tonight. Amen. Um, the story of Elijah and the fire falling on the sacrifice is a very familiar story to us, um, the prophet Elijah. And if, you, if it's not familiar to you, I would encourage you to read 1 Kings chapter 18. Elijah is talking to the children of Israel and he is trying to help them because they're torn between two opinions. 
many of them have given up uh, their walk with the one true God and have started to serve another God. This God's name is Baal, uh, B-A-A-L. And this God has many followers and many people are very, uh, they're, they're all in with this, with this God called Baal. And it has turned the hearts of many Hebrews, many Israelites who once served Yahweh and believed in him, uh, they are now turning to Baal. And you have to understand the distress at this time. It has not rained, we know, in this, at this, you know, this, this time in history. It has not rained for close to three years. And there's a famine. So we have no rain. We have a famine. We have people praying to a God who they think can't hear them. Because they're praying and he's not answering them. And so in this process of time, many people convert to this God Baal. Uh, because it seems like if, if, if Yahweh isn't working, we'll try something new. Maybe this God will work. And this is a, this is a very good principle to stop here and put a little plug in here just to say this, that in moments of despair, moments of distress, moments of distraction, moments of brokenness, and most importantly, moments of frustration and uncertainty, it is easy to try something else. Now, in today's world, we don't have idols and we don't necessarily have different religions necessarily, but it's easy to stop walking down the path of truth or righteousness and start walking down another path uh, because of confusion, frustration. God hasn't answered my prayer. God hasn't come through. This, this should have been different already. I've prayed for this already, and God hasn't done it. And for these people, this is a three-year process, and in this three-year process, many have converted, and they are broken. The problem is, is that this is how the process started, is that God was frustrated because his people were not honoring him. And so he said, you tell them that it's not going to rain for three years. And, and here they are. They're right in the middle of it. But God says, now it's time. He sends Elisha. Elisha I mean, he sends Elijah. And Elijah comes. And Elijah uh, sets it up. He said, listen, here's what we're going to do. The God that answers by fire, that's the God that we're going to serve. And I know that God doesn't always work like this. But in this moment, in this story, this is how God is going to work. God is going to be the God of demonstration. He is going to show the people, I can actually do something. This God cannot do anything. The, it, it, you're, you're, you're worshiping a God who can do nothing for you, and you have forgot about a God who can do everything for you. And so, God in this moment decides he is going to do something that he hasn't really done a lot of before and, and also do something that is, is quite new to this whole Bible setting. God is about to put himself in competition. He's going to compete. He's going to let Baal have his time and then he's going to have his time. And so God uses Elijah to set this all up. And Elijah sets this whole competition up, God against Baal, Yahweh against Baal. And so we have two altars. And as the story goes, the prophets of Baal, they take their time, they pray, they sing, they cut themselves. 
but Baal doesn't answer. Finally, Elijah's had enough. He says, maybe your God is going on vacation. Maybe your God's asleep, but let's try Yahweh. He sets up the altar, very primitive, puts the, puts the, uh, the offering on the altar, uh, and he, then he has them pour 12 uh, pitchers of water on top of that, which is crazy because water is what we need. It hasn't rained. So water is a precious commodity at the time. And uh, just a side note here, there's a really good principle. Whatever you want to come down must first go up. Amen. And so he puts the water on the altar and prays a 60-something word prayer. God causes fire to fall from heaven, licks up the water, licks up the dust of the ground, licks up, takes, takes away, burns into ashes, and sucks up the, the offering. Everything is gone, and the people say, that's the God we're going to serve. Well, of course. Of course it is. The demonstration is there. Of course that's the God you're going to serve. He's the God that answered by fire. But not only that, in the same story, Elijah will go, he will pray seven times, and God will cause it to rain again. All this happens together. But I will point out to you that Jezebel and Ahab, who are the evil king and queen of Israel at the time, who have turned the hearts of God's people from him to a false god, they are not worried about the fire from heaven, and they are not worried about the rain that's falling. They are worried about the prophets that have been slain. They don't care about the demonstration, and they don't care about the answered prayer. All they are mad about is that the prophets of Baal have been slain. This is very important because the greatest thing that Elijah did that day was not call down fire from heaven, and the greatest thing that Elijah did that day was not pray and God answer his prayer and rainfall. The greatest thing that Elijah did that day that we overlook a lot is that while all this was happening, Elijah took a sword and killed 850 prophets. 850 prophets. That is a lot of people. Elijah killed, the Bible says he killed them with a sword. And the enemy doesn't care about the demonstration, and the enemy is not mad that it's raining now, and God answered Elijah's prayer. The enemy is mad that the prophets are dead. Because the enemy doesn't care if you have demonstration in your life, and the enemy doesn't care if God's answering your prayers. The enemy cares if you are powerful enough to destroy and kill things that need to be dead in your life. I, I, I've been to a lot of services where God poured out demonstration. I've shouted in the front row. I've ran the aisles. I've spoken in tongues. I have felt God move. But I have also left with things that God wanted me to kill still alive. Oh, hallelujah. I know it's a Wednesday night, and I don't really feel like preaching right now. I'm trying to teach a principle. I'm going to get to it in a minute. But I, but I want you to know that the devil will let you shout. He'll let you have demonstration. I, God has answered prayers for me uh, above and beyond, and I have had God demonstrate his power in my life, but it was never enough for me to kill the things that needed to die in me. Amen. If you really want to make the enemy mad, running around the church, it ain't, it probably is not what's going to do it. 
If you really want to make the enemy mad, speaking in tongues probably not what's going to do it. If you really want to make the enemy mad, praying every day is probably not what's going to do it. If you really want to make the enemy mad, start killing some things in your life that need to die. Some habits that need to disappear. Some people that may need to be cut off. Some relationships that may need to end. Some phone numbers that may need to be deleted. Some websites that may need to be protected against. Ain't nobody want to talk back to me. Some, some phone applications that may need to be deleted off your, your phone. Well, glory. Y'all like, man, was, we were having a good Wednesday night, Pastor. Everything was going so smoothly, and then here you come out, swinging both barrels. I'm just saying, Jezebel and Ahab don't say nothing about the fire. They don't say nothing about the rain. They're mad about the priest. Did that not jump out to you there? It, it, not, not one thing about rain, not one thing about fire. It's about they are mad that Elijah has taken out the priest because the priests are where the power's at. The priests are the ones that have turned the people. The priests are the ones that are out there doing the work. And Elijah knew, I know that God's moving and I know that God's answering, but if we don't kill these priests, we got trouble. If I let them live, we got trouble. So Elijah kills the priest. It is in this moment that Ahab and Jezebel throw a fit. They can't handle it. The fire's not a problem. The rain's not a problem. It's our priests that are a problem. And Jezebel sends Elijah, uh, you know, a, a biblical email, I guess. Um, the Bible says he sent a messenger. And the messenger says to Elijah, Jezebel says that tomorrow by this time, you will be as dead as the priest you killed. See, this is, why, this is why a lot of us sometimes do not want to kill the things in our life because we feel like if we kill those things in our life, it'll kill us. I can't live without it. I can't go without it. If I get rid of, the, these things are the things in my life that I gotta have. If I can't have these things, I can't have nothing. Because we know that's really where the rubber meets the road. We really know that that's where the decisions are made. We know that's where change happens. You can run around this church 10,000 times a night and never be changed. But we know that if we start taking out some stuff in our life, that's where the enemy is going to come back. And we know that there's going to be pain there. We know there's going to be suffering. We know that that's not going to go easy. There's some things that we know that have attached themselves to us that are not going to disappear easily. It's going to take time. It, there's going to be pain involved. And here comes Jezebel, and she tells Elijah, Elijah, you're going to die. You killed my priest, and now I'm going to kill you just like you killed my priest. This time tomorrow, you're going to be dead like they are dead. And when he saw it, he fled. When he saw that, the Bible says, the Bible says that in verse 3. And when he saw that, when he saw it, it just it, it, it rocked his world. This man just called fire down from heaven and then prayed rain down from heaven. But this one message from this lady, it pushed him over the edge. He could not handle it. It was a struggle. This thing threw Elijah into a turmoil. I'll, I'll tell you how deep this thing threw him. The Bible says that he, he went to Beersheba, which is in Judah, and left his servant there. Here's the first sign that we have. The first sign that you're having a mental struggle is you want to be isolated. Let me say it one more time. 
The first sign you're really going through something is when you don't want to talk to nobody. You don't want nobody around you. You want to be completely alone. Leave me alone. You ain't got to raise your hand, but you don't have to because I know I've, I've lived that life. I know exactly how it feels. I don't want anybody with me. The Bible says he left his servant and he went alone. And now I, I, I know, I know. I'm the, I'm a, I'm a extroverted introvert. They say that doesn't exist, but uh, I, they, they don't know me yet. Be, because I love being around people. It, it gives me life. I love it. I, I love being in the center of attention. I lo- I'm, just, I'm, I'm there. But there is a switch that when that switch is flipped in my life, I got to be by myself, and I am a horrible person if I'm around people and that switch is already flipped. My wife will literally tell me, you need to go. Because I need to be alone. This is not what I'm talking about. No, I'm talking about. I know when I'm at a place of healthy isolation, we all need time to ourselves. Even Jesus, after great ministry moments, would say, hey, I'm going to go to the mountain and pray. Y'all go do your thing. I'm going to go do my thing. You know, I know there, there's, a, there, there's healthy isolation. But he, this is a moment where Elijah has been rocked. He, he is under attack. He, he, he knows they are after me, and he decides to be alone. This is a dangerous isolation. When you're under attack, when you know the enemy's after you, when you know this is a struggle and you desire to be alone, this is an unhealthy isolation moment he he desires to be alone he runs here's here's how we know that that he's in he's, he's in a bad place the first thing is that he desires isolation he runs leaves his servant then the second thing is he prays that God might kill him some say would this would be a suicidal tendency um, I don't know if it's deep deep enough for that but I would say this definitely points towards the, the feeling of wanting to die, that if I would be dead, my life would be better. And there are many people in this room, if not everybody in this room, has had a moment like that in your life where it was so bad, you thought, you know what, if I would just die right now, it would, things would be better. Things would be better for everybody around me. Things would be better for me. I don't know how that's possible, but if somehow I could just die. This is what Elijah prayed for. He was, he was still too saved to do it himself. But he prayed that God would do it for him. God, let me die because I'm no better than my father. So we, there's two things here. There's the spirit of suicide, but there's also a spirit of comparison. You see that? That, that Elijah wants to die because he's no better than his father. That, that I, I'm, I'm not better than them. They, they're better than me. I, I knew I shouldn't have took this job. I knew I shouldn't have walked into this ministry because so-and-so is better than me. And I, I'm, I'm not worthy to even live now because I'm, I don't meet up to the standards. My father's won victories. Well, Elijah is speaking of men like Abraham, men like Noah. He, Abraham, uh, I, Elijah is speaking about men like Isaac and Jacob. That's who he's speaking about. He, Elijah's mind is going to men like Joseph. Those are his fathers. Those are the people that he has learned about through his life, and Elijah probably only remembers their greatest moments. He's not remembering their greatest defeats. He, it, Elijah's only thinking about how Joseph ended up. He's only thinking about how Abraham ended up. He's only thinking about how Jacob finally ended up, how Isaac finally ended up. 
but he, he ain't looking at their life. He ain't looking at the pit and Potiphar's house and the prison. I guarantee you he ain't looking at Abraham when he lost everything and when he laughed at God. I guarantee you he ain't looking at Jacob when he worked seven years for the wrong woman and then had to work another seven years for the right woman and then looked at God and lied to his face. See what I'm saying? He's comparing himself to their victories. I'm no better than them. I'm no better than them at their best, but you're just like them at your worst. Yeah, see, what we do is when we get down, we get broken, we get scared, we get fearful, we isolate, we have thoughts of death or thought it'd be better for me if I wasn't even here, and we also have thoughts that everybody else is better than me because we're looking at everybody's highlight reels. How many times have I said that at this church? How many times have I made that statement? We keep watching everybody else's highlight reels. I'll probably say it another thousand times, so if you're tired of it, don't, don't, don't leave. I'm going to say it again. I'm going to keep saying it because me and you, we stay on that social media and we watch everybody's best life, everybody's filmed life, propped up life, posed life. It's a pose. It's a pose. It's a pose. And we sit up under the juniper tree and say, I'm not enough. I'm no better than them. Kill me now. But look what God does. Here, here's the principles that I want to I bring to you. Here's what God does. He lay and he slept under a juniper tree. Number one, you probably just need some sleep. Mm-hmm. You know when you was, you know, when your kids were real little? Some of y'all got real little kids right now. And so you know exactly what I'm talking about. Your kids just get started acting crazy. You're like, you know what? They did not take a nap today. This kid needs to, needs to go to sleep. And then they wake up and they're perfectly fine. Uh, that's a human thing. And I know you 30, 40, 50 years old, you, you need a nap too. Yeah, you need a nap. Some of y'all just need a nap. Some of y'all could really, your life would be a lot better if you just take a nap every once in a while. You, 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 you're burning at both ends of the candle. And, and probably for the last 30, 40 days, you've got a collective maybe five to six hours of sleep a night. And scientifically proven that you not do, you're not good right now. Your mental state is really, really bad. Go to sleep. Turn your phone off. Go to sleep. Turn the show off. Go to sleep. By the order of the Holy Ghost and the pastor of this church, go to sleep. Get you a nap. The Bible says he slept under a juniper tree. Behold, an angel touched him and said to him, arise and eat. Arise and eat. You got to eat. He looked and behold, there was a cake baking on the coals and a cruise of water at his head. He did eat and drink and laid down again. He needed more sleep. And the angel of the Lord came again the second time, touched him and said, arise and eat because the journey is too great for thee. Here's what the Lord showed me on, in this verse that there was a journey that was about to be embarked upon. It was the journey of getting better. It was a journey of, uh, Elijah, I'm taking you from this moment, and I'm about to bring you out victorious. Here's what we know about this journey. This journey is going to take him to the mountain. But past this journey, here's what the journey really is. The journey is really about to be, he is about to anoint the next. He's about to anoint the next king of Syria. He's, he's about to anoint the next king of Israel. And he's about to anoint the next man that's going to take his place. There is a journey of ministry that he's about to take. And he can't take it 
if he don't eat. He cannot get where he's about to go if he doesn't get up and eat. Rise and eat because the journey is too great. He's about to eat and what he is about to eat is going to take him 40 days and 40 nights to the place where God is going to speak to him and give him his next set of orders and the whole Bible is about to change because what Elijah is about to do is going to destroy Ahab and Jezebel because Jehu, who he will anoint to be king over Israel, will kill Ahab and Jezebel. And he's also about to anoint a new king of Syria, which will change that entire part of the world forever. The world is still changed because he anointed Hazael to be king of Syria. Change Syria forever. Change our, the, our world forever. Also, he's about to anoint Elisha to become the next Elijah, who will get the devil portion. And what he needs to do now to be able to do that, he needs to eat. In order to do the next thing, he has to get up and he has to eat for the journey. Eat for the journey. Here's what the Lord showed me, is that in our worst times, in our worst moments, in, 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 in moments when we feel like it is over, those are the moments where we stand the transition of the next thing, the transition of the next ministry, the transition of a greater ministry. Elijah is not about to leave. Elijah's ministry is not over. Elijah's ministry is really about to begin. Elijah's ministry is shifting from what I'm doing for God to what I'm doing to prepare other people to do for God. He is entering into the greatest part of his ministry. What he does next will have more impact than anything he's done up to this point. But he can't do it until he eats. He has to take in sustenance. Here's what I want to speak to you in, in my hearing tonight and those that may be watching online. You don't know what God is about to take you into, so you need to eat now. You need to eat now. You don't need to miss another meal. You don't need to miss another message. You don't need to miss another church service. You don't need to miss another prayer meeting. You don't need to miss another study night. You don't need to miss another moment in your Bible. You don't need to miss another day without talking to God. You need to eat for the journey. The journey's too great. You know what? What I have to face between now and next sun and, and to this Sunday coming, I need to eat tonight because from here to next Sunday, that journey is too great for me not to eat. Somebody say, man, why are you going to church today? But you know what? Because what I'm going to face between this Sunday and next Sunday, that journey is too great for me not to eat. I need to eat so I can make it to the next thing. I need something in my belly. I need a word. See, the way the Lord showed me that, that, that what, what he's given to Elijah is not just food. If it was food, it would have not taken him 40 days and 40 nights. But what he's given to Elijah is supernatural. The first meal, the Bible tells us what the first meal is. The first meal is a cake on coals and a cruise of water. But the second meal 
He doesn't tell us what the second meal is. We don't know what the second meal is because I believe it is a spiritual thing. What God wants to feed us is not natural. It's not a cake. It's not a cruise of water. But this next meal is supernatural. It can take you through the worst moments in your life. This next meal is supernatural. It can bring you through the valley and take you to the mountain. This next meal is supernatural. It can feed you in a way nothing else can feed you. This next meal is supernatural. Uh, not a cake baking on coals and not a cruise of water, but this next meal is a supernatural meal that's going to get you through the journey. Through the journey. Many of us are at the base of a mountain looking up high. It seems too high for us. It seems too great for us. What, what is the key to get to the next thing? Eat. Eat. Get in your word and eat. Be in the house of God and eat. Eat from the word of God. Eat from the worship. Eat from the encouragement of your brothers and sisters. We used to say this a long time ago. I had a, as a, as a kid, I, my mom and dad had a sticker on the front of the refrigerator and it said one week, one W-E-E-K without church makes one week, W-E-A-K. I've been a pastor now for coming up on 10 years, and I've never believed it more than I believe it right now. You need to eat. The journey's too great. You don't really know what's facing you tomorrow, so eat tonight. You don't, you don't know what's facing you next week, so, so make sure you're here in the house of the Lord and eat. Eat, and if you gotta, you gotta be on vacation or you gotta see a friend or you got stuff going on, don't, don't let it go too long without eating. Open up a pot. See, God, God has made it so easy for us to eat now. You ain't got no excuse not to eat. You hear me? You ain't got no excuse not to eat. Open up your Bible. Open up an app. Open up a podcast. Get some word in you because the journey is too great for you to try to attempt it on your own. Try to attempt it under your own power. Try to attempt it under the natural food of this world. The natural sustenance of this world will not take you for the journey. You need something supernatural. You need a meal that was prepared by the angel of the Lord that can take you 40 days and 40 nights. You need a supernatural meal that was prepared by God himself that can take you to the mount of God. It's a journey. It's a journey. Eat because the journey is too great for you. Eat. The journey is too great. I know you called down fire from heaven. I know you killed 850 priests. I know you prayed and, fire and rain came. But this next thing is too great for you. You need to eat. You need to eat. I know, I know, I know you're powerful. But this next thing is too great for you. You need to eat. My grandfather told me years ago, if you don't have anything in the well, then nothing will come up in the bucket. And my brother told me years ago, he made a statement to me one time years ago. He said, um, God will not bless an empty mind. And I, I've tried in my ministry to keep myself full of, of, of knowledge. Matter of fact, I am a wealth of useless knowledge. And you can ask my family. Uh, they will tell you that 
I, I could probably be on Jeopardy tomorrow just because I know the most random stuff because I've just, I've just read. When I was a kid, I used to love to read like just the encyclopedias. I would just read and read and read and just, and, and now I'm, I'm the same way now, but, but more on, on like podcasts and books and learning. I just, I just, I, I love, I love, to, I love knowledge. And what I realize is that if you don't have it in you, it can't come out of you. If you don't have it in you, it can't, it can't come out of you. And, and God's word has been that to me since my early twenties when I shifted in my life and jumped into God's word and said, you know what, I want to know his word for myself because I don't, I don't want to just go to church anymore. I just don't want to be a Christian anymore. I want to be biblical. I made a decision in my early 20s to be a biblical human being and learn God's word for myself. And when I really began to read this word and read it in the way that I read it and understand it in the way that I understand it, this word came alive to me. And my wife will tell you, I will hear preachers preach, and I'll tell her, that man don't read his Bible. He has no, he has no, he's a good preacher, he's got a good voice, and he's making some good points. But that man don't read his Bible. Because if he read his Bible, he could preach a lot better than that. The word of God, the word of God is the bread of life. Here's, here's what I ask you tonight, church, is if you are not having a daily diet of the bread of life, how are you living? If this word is not sustenance to you, you can't make that great of a journey. Here's what I would say to you. I would say to you that there is a mountain out there and a word that God wants to give you that will change your life forever, but you can never get there because you don't have enough bread of life in you to make that journey. You haven't eaten enough for the journey. Like if you would eat enough for the journey, then God could take you on the journey, but you haven't eaten enough for the journey. David said it like this, the word of God is a lamp, a light unto my path and a lamp unto my feet. He said, it's two things. The word of God illuminates what is out in front of me, but it also illuminates the next step I take. If you don't have that kind of relationship with the word of God, then, then you're missing something. Because many of us, the word of God illuminates the way. You know, like I know the general way. It is a light into my path. Right? I know enough of the word of God to know that this is the way. I know enough of God's word that, that this is the direction I should be going in. You know, I shouldn't cheat. I shouldn't steal. You know, I shouldn't, you know, I know enough to know the way, but I don't know it enough to know the path. Like, I have a general direction. Most Christians are living in a relationship with God's word that it is a light into their path. They know the general direction but they struggle on a day-to-day -day basis because they don't have it so close to them that it is, ooh, don't step there. He said, it's not just a light to my path. It's a, it's a lamp unto my feet. A light is a light, but a lamp is handheld. 
when, when, when David says this scripture, me and you hear it, and we're like, oh, yeah, that, that, that's awesome, that'll preach. But when we really start breaking this thing down and understanding, he's saying two things here. It is a light unto my path, but it's also a lamp unto my feet. It is a generality for me, but it's also very personal to me. It's a general way, but it's also a daily thing as well. And, and it's, it's a light, it, it, because sometimes the path is, is, is lit up, but like right where I'm standing, I, I need more light. And all of us have experienced something like this before. We've all been somewhere where, you know what, there was light, and I could kind of see, but if I really wanted to see exactly where I was stepping, I needed more light. I needed a closer light. I needed something. All of us have been out at night when the moon was bright, and it's, oh, man, it's bright out here. But you can't go walk through the woods with the moon being bright and know where you're stepping. You're stepping a hole. You'll break your neck. You'll, you'll walk off a cliff. But if I got a flashlight in my hand, I know exactly what the next thing is. And many of us, we have a generality walk with God, but we don't know what's next, and that what's, that's what paralyzes us. We never go to the mountain because we don't have enough for the journey. Eat. Eat, eat. That's what God told the apostle. He said, take this word and eat it. He said, take the word and eat it. It's food for you. It's sustenance for you. Every day you pick that Bible up. Every day you hear a preached word of God. Every, every Wednesday night you come and the man of God says, I feel this in the Holy Ghost. I, God's leading me this way. It's a moment for you to eat. You're at the table tonight. You are at the table tonight. Don't be concerned with everything else. Just eat because you don't know what's happening between now and Sunday. And you need to eat because the journey might be too great. You need to eat. And when the enemy lies to you and says you don't need to go or you don't need to read or you're too busy, you're, listen, you're, there's too much riding on it for you to be too busy. Take a moment and eat. 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 If the bread of life, if God's word is the bread of life, and, 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 and when he says that, it is a connection for us to understand that reading God's word is food for my, my life and sustenance for me, then let's break it down. How much time a day do you actually spend eating? I mean, if you, if you timed it, if you timed it, you say 45 minutes maybe, all day long, actually eating, it's called an hour. Every day, all day, we, we may spend an hour eating, 20 minutes here, 15 minutes there, maybe 10 minutes here, maybe, maybe a little longer at dinner, maybe we, we take 30 minutes at dinner, and actually the process of eating, it's not, it's not much. It's not much. That much. Listen, I would rather woof it down than not eat at all. That means, you know, what I'm trying to say is you're not too busy. You're not too busy to eat. There's too much riding on this. Eat for the journey is great. We have all found ourselves in moments like this, and there are many of us in this room that find ourselves in moments like this, even now when it feels like the pressure of the world is pushing on us and we can feel the breath of Jezebel on the back of our neck saying she's going to kill us. This is it. It's over for you. 
your ministry's over, your, your, your life is over, your marriage is over, your, your friendships are over. All, all of these things that the enemy wants to tell us, all of these lies that we start telling our own self on top of the enemy's lies. And we, we say things like, well, we're not better than them, and I wish I was like them. And, and you know what, probably better if I weren't even alive. And you know what, I don't want to be around nobody. I'm not going to nothing. I'm not, I'm not going to the ladies' event. Don't them ladies, them ladies don't love me no way. I'm not going to the men's prayer breakfast. I'm, I, whatever, I ain't got time for all that. I'm a busy guy. I don't need nobody. I don't need to talk to nobody at church. I'll just come and go. I say, take a nap and eat. 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 It'll give you strength. It'll give you strength. Eat. Eat. Sleep and eat again. Sleep and eat again. Get enough to take you high. Get enough. Get enough that'll take you to the mountaintop where God can speak to you and say what he said to Elijah. Why are you here? What are you doing here? And Elijah begins to get honest with God. And God says, God makes all these things happen. The, the earthquake comes and the fire comes and all, the, all this stuff happens. And he says, why are you here? And Elijah says the same thing. Basically, Elijah says two times, before the fire, the earthquake, and the still small voice, he says, I'm alone. And afterwards, he says, I'm alone. I, even I, only remain, and now they seek to take my life. Read it for yourself in chapter 19 of 1 Kings. He says the same verse two times. It is verbatim. Both, both of those verses are verbatim. He ends those verses by saying this, I, even I, only am left, and now they seek my life to take it. Both times, before all of the demonstration and after all of the demonstration, he is broken. He feels like he's all alone. God says, get off this mountain. Go anoint Hazael because he is going to take care of these people. Go anoint Jehu. And whoever escapes Hazael, Jehu is going to kill. And then when you get done with Jehu, anoint Elisha. Because whoever escapes Jehu, Elisha will kill. And then he said, and by the way, Elijah, just so you know, I have 7,000 prophets that have not bowed their knee. You know what Elijah needed to know? He needed to know, I'm not alone. He would have never heard it, though, if he didn't eat. Some of you right now, your mind is spinning. You don't know who's for you, who's against you. My greatest advice for you is to eat. I'm not saying God's going to answer you tonight, but I'm saying eat. Because if you don't eat, you won't make it to the place where he's going to answer you. You may be sitting in this room tonight and you're not perfect. That's totally fine. Eat. You say, I don't have it all together. Matter of fact, I'm as lost as a turtle in a 40-acre pond. Baby, eat. 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 Just eat. I'm not there yet. I'm still having thoughts of killing myself. Eat. 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 I'm not perfect yet. I'm so far away from where God. Eat. Eat. That's all I'm asking you. Just eat. Just get in that word. Put on, a, put on a preaching seminar. Just, just eat. Just get it all. Get as much word in you as you possibly can. Because if you eat, he will take you to the mountain. He'll talk to you. He'll talk you down. He said, eat so you can go up the mountain. And when you get up the mountain, I'll talk you down the mountain. But if you don't eat, I can't take you nowhere. If you don't eat, you won't make it. If you don't eat, you will not have the strength to make it. Just eat. That's why I've always said, 
and I'll keep saying it as long as I'm pastor. I don't care what you've done. I don't care how you've messed up. I don't care how perfect or imperfect you think you are. The only way the devil wins is if you stop coming. If you can keep walking through that door or that door or that whatever door you want to come through, I don't care, baby, just find one. If you can just keep showing up, he can't win. You hear me? I don't care what you did. I don't care what you did last weekend, baby. Just come be in the house because you don't know the next meal that may take you to the mountain. Eat, eat, eat because the journey is too great. Eat for the journey. Would you stand with me? Hallelujah. Is that all right tonight? Yeah. All right tonight. I, uh, amen. I think a lot of times we, we, I know I've been guilty of this, is, is, is the feeling of I'm not perfect and I know too much of the Bible to just be playing games, you know. And so I feel like I'm not perfect and I haven't done what I needed to do and I haven't been, you know, 100%. And so then, you know, like, why even try? We get caught up in that. But tonight I want to encourage you. I don't care where you find yourself at tonight, what level you find yourself at. Elijah was sitting under a tree asking God to kill him. That's where Elijah was. He was sitting under a tree. He was begging God for death. And instead of God giving him death, he gave him food to eat. So I don't care what, what, what you're going through in this house tonight. Just keep eating. It ain't over. It ain't, as long as you can eat, it ain't over. You don't, know, you don't know the mountain that God's bringing you to. You don't know the journey that God's bringing you on. God's still got a word for you. Just eat. Just eat. Pull up to the table. Pull up to the table and get ready and eat. And I know that that word will bring you life. It'll bring you life. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you for your word tonight. It's so good. It's so right. It's delicious. You said in your word, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How can we taste if we don't pick this Bible up and read this word and take this bread of life into our lives? God, I pray tonight that you would encourage us through this word. I pray that even tomorrow as the enemy tries to spread his lies in our minds, God, that we would just take the word in and eat. Even in our imperfections, even in our brokenness, even as we sit and say, Lord, they're better than me and I'm no better than them. But God, you would just give us that strength to eat another meal that may take us to the mountain of God. I pray in the name of Jesus, let it be so and done in Jesus' name. And the church said amen. amen. We want to thank you again for joining us on the Truth Chapel podcast. May you have a blessed day and walk in the favor of the Lord.